Hi, I'm Wayne Heinsohn, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. It's interesting that unity is what God calls for in the bride. You know, in, in Psalm it talks about when there's unity, God commands a blessing. Who has felt disunity this week? Don't put your hands up, I will. I thought that would be interesting. Unity is the word for this season and I'm feeling disunified with my family, the situation I'm in, and even myself, separated from the one who is the answer to everything. And yet he's always there, he's never left us. Never leaves us nor forsake us. But you know, we get caught up in the day-to-day events. We get caught up in the disappointments, the hurts, the losses, the griefs, the anger, the frustrations. And in the book of uh, Song of Solomon in um, chapter two, it talks about the little foxes. Be aware of the little foxes and get rid of them. Don't let them take over your vineyard. We're in the vineyard of God. You know, in um, John 15, it talks about being connected to the vine. But if we let those things come into our lives and sit there and don't deal with them straight away, those little annoyances those little grievances, those little um, words that come out of our mouth, they start to build up over us and they start to bring a heaviness to us and a separation between those we love and especially between us and God because we want to survive. We've gone into survival mode. We're not survivors. We are overcomers. God has called us to overcome. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. How precious is that wonder-working power of the blood? the blood that redeems, covers, forgives, blesses, heals, delivers its resurrection power. That's the blood of Jesus and we have that available to us. And yet those grievances, those little things that can build up and gather like a dust on things. You know, you go around your home, you dust every week and you think, where is this coming from? You might not dust every week, but I know when I dust that I find dust very easily. And that's the dust that comes from the world. We live in the world. You know, when Jesus was in um, John 13, it's the washing of the feet. And he says to, you know, that I want to, you know, get down and wash your feet. And Peter says, no, you can't do that. We know who you are, you know. You're the, the Christ, the one. And he said, if you don't allow me to do this, then you can't be with me. And he said, well, wash me all over. And he says, you don't need to be washed all over because you've become a part of the kingdom in, in receiving him. But your feet walk out daily. It walks amongst the things of this world. We walk in the dung of this world. And in those days, it was dung. But things that were in the natural there are spiritual here. We're in the new covenant. We're under a new covenant. But the spiritual things that identify the natural things there are in our lives today. So we need that washing of the word, not only for our feet, but for our minds. Because the word says that we need to do it. Because things get built up in us. And they hang around, they start to create. We have an imagination that God has given us to create. And it's a wonderful thing. 
but it also can be used by the enemy to fantasise, to bring a reality that's not true into our lives, and we can live in that. I don't know how many people that I talk to are living in a grandiose mentality, a fantasy of this is what we are and this is what we do and all that, and the whole world is falling apart because that's not really there. This is here. It's a deception from the enemy, but we'll only know that it's a deception if we're in Christ, if we're in that unified place with him. You know, we go into um, each part of what John reveals to us out of the book of John. Now, in John 4, it's about the Samaritan woman coming to Jesus at the well. And she questions him and she challenges him because she's a Samaritan. You know, why are you talking to me? I'm a woman for a start. And I'm a Samaritan and you Jews don't have anything to do with us. We know who we are. We're separated from you. And Jesus says, no, I'm the living water. When you drink from this well, you'll never have to thirst again. And she goes on, and you know the story where she goes on and says, well, give me that water. And he gives it to her. But he talks to her. She says, well, firstly, what you worship, you Jews worship on this mountain. We're told to worship here. Where are we supposed to worship? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're talking about. Because it says in John 4, 23 to 24, he's talking to her and it says, from here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart for God. In a spirit, and he longs to have since worshippers who worship and adore him. Hang on, I've written that wrong, but it's about worshipping in spirit and truth. Now, they didn't have the spirit then. They're in the Old Testament. The Spirit came upon them and the prophets told the word to the people. And yet Jesus, the revealer, is standing before her in the Spirit, speaking to her that we have to worship in spirit and in truth. And then we go into the book where I talked about in Matthew 13 where he washes their feet and Peter says, no, this is another clue to what happens to us. He said, I will never leave you. I'll go with you to the ends. And Jesus says to him, oh, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. No way. I'm for Jesus. No way. I would deny you. In everything you've done, I recognise that you're the Christ. I would never deny you. But as soon as the pressure came in the Garden of Gethsemane, they all ran. And Peter, the truth of what Christ said to him came to pass. By the time the cock crowed three times, he had denied Christ. And this is something that happens to us through fear. Fear of the unknown and fear of what can happen. He's there looking at Jesus, the one who can heal, deliver, set free, and yet is being taken in and brutalised and being condemned to death. And straight away we run to our survival mode got to protect ourselves. It's a natural instinct to protect yourself. But God's culture is that he will protect us if we trust him by being one with him. So we go into um,
Thank you, Lord. Jesus says in John 6 that I am the truth, the way, and the life, that there is only one way to the Father, and it's through him. When I was looking at myself this week in the trials that I was going through and the difficulties, I was thinking, this isn't fair. I've sung this song before, what about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough of what my share. And Christ is so kind, you know, he just brings it back to me. God brings, the Holy Spirit brings back to remembrance that when Jesus was taken to the cross, he had no rights. He had them like we all have, but he chose to lay them down. He couldn't retaliate and say this isn't fair and I, I didn't do it. All the accusations that were levelled at him. He couldn't say anything against that or hold it in offence because without being sinless, he wouldn't have been able to go to the cross and pay the price for us. And yet... The first thing any of us want to do is to fight for our rights. And there's a place for that, to stand up, not to be abused. But there's also a place where we lay them down and ask the Lord, how do I walk through this? And this week it was like a struggle. The flesh was winning, then the spirit was coming on, then the flesh was standing up, and the spirit was coming on, and I'm saying, Lord, it's pride. When it comes down to its pride, that I want to be liked or loved, I want to be honoured, I want what I deserve, what I think I deserve, you know, I don't need to be treated this way or in this fashion. I'm not doing it to anyone else, so why should it happen to me? And the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance what happened to Jesus. And I serve him and I follow him, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. What does that look like? Well, each of us, we have to ask the Lord how that works out in our lives, but it is laying down our rights to be not vilified, but to be um, proven right. I had a wise pastor tell me a long time ago, Terry, it's not right what's been happening to you, it's not fair. But it wasn't fair that Jesus died on the cross for your sins for in your place, but he did it. And I said to my pastor, that's a low blow, pastor. I was feeling like I deserved to be angry and upset here. And you just took it all out the door and I repented. And so repentance is our best friend. We need to repent daily. I don't know if you do, but I do. There's always something that's coming up that I want to say, but, 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 how come? Why? And yet we've heard in the song, in the crushing, in the bruising, in the pressing, we're not to ask why, but to trust him in that place. And it's not an easy place. It's a difficult place. I can see that, um, I would assume that everyone here has experienced the pressing, the crushing, the hardship of what it's like to walk in this world and feel like you're one out at times, even with your own family. I do that quite often with my own family, that they're not with me, they're not for me, they're united against me. But you know what? God's for me. He's united for me. And he has made a way to bring them into the kingdom the way that they will come. 
But the part of me that wants to stand up and fight for them as well as for my rights, sometimes I have to lay it down. That they will see the true Christ who is there available for them and that he will make the way for them to come to him. I can push, shove and drag all I like, but it doesn't work. I've done it over the years and made um, a division between my children and myself and family at times because of being zealous, knowing what Jesus has done for me and <clears throat> how he's healed me and delivered me and, and loved on me and wanting that for all of those people, not just my family but for everyone that I meet. But it comes in a time and a frame, you know, and I have to leave that and trust that to God. And it was the Samaritan woman's time when she came to that well. Out of that salvation came to Samaritans. The whole village, the whole community was saved through the testimony <clears throat> that she brought to them. But when they came to him and they said, could you stay a few days and just speak to us about what you've spoken to this woman? they came to the realisation that he was the one. He was the Messiah and he was the Christ. He treated people differently. He didn't judge. He didn't stand over them. He did judge the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they sat in positions of power and privilege and their word was gospel to the people of that day. And the 660 plus laws they added to the Ten Commandments just made it a terrible burden for the people. And so those who are outside of that realm, that were dislocated, not being fully the Jew, even though they followed the laws of Moses and Abraham, didn't have a place. And yet Jesus made a place for them, whether they were a child or a woman, a prostitute or a tax collector, or someone who followed the way. He made them all in that one ground, even because of him. And that's the way we're to look at people, even though it's not easy all the time. I wasn't looking at my family like it was easy. I was looking at them <clears throat> growling. And the growl was coming out. I had to go back and repent. It's not easy being humbled, is it? But I tell you what, it's the place to be. In humility, we don't boast about ourselves and how good we are and what we have and where we've been. We boast about the Christ who died on the cross in our place for our sins and made a way so that we could have a victorious life here as well as in heaven. But there's a few things that come with that and that unifying of us, the unity of the body, the bride. Jesus is coming back whether you want to be in the bride or not in the bride. Jesus is coming back for his bride and she will be without spot or wrinkle. And how do we get there? We get the sandpapering of our Christian brothers and sisters to hone us down and humble ourselves and walk together in one accord, asking God to give me a heart, give me a love. Not everyone gets along and not every doctrine of the churches, you know, the different denominations are going to have the same things as us, but they will have the same God, Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. If they have that God, we're in unity with them. So we don't fight on the dots and the tittles of things. We stand for the righteousness of Christ in our people and we stand for the causes of, that God has for us to stand for. We have children that have been sold into slavery. We have children that have been taken away through abortion. We have children that have been desensitised to gender. 
We have parents that are losing their rights. We have a world that is making decisions based on uh, money and, and um, position and power. What do we do as a believer? Do we cringe in the corner saying it's too hard, we can't deal with it? Well, we do have that for a moment, I'm telling you. We feel like that for a moment. Then we remember who our king is and who our God is and put him first over everything that we hear and, and what we're listening to and what we're being told. What is not for us to play with, we don't play with it. We don't watch the news every day seeing the terrible things. I mean, I don't have TV, but I've got a phone and things come up on my phone. And that's enough, just having things come up on my phone. I don't always look at them. But God has called us to be his people. We've been set apart. We've been sanctified. We've been placed in a position to be one body. And the way to be one body is to love one another like the book of Acts. It's, they were known for their love for one another. They gave to the body in one accord because they believed in the promises of God and what his kingdom was all about. That kingdom is what God's calling us to in unity, to be unified, to be the kingdom people that he called us to be. Now, we all have different giftings and talents and will be used in different ways. Some will be used to, for the money. Some people will be used for, this, for going to the mission field. Some people will be the preachers and teachers and the evangelists and the pastors and, you know, the fivefold ministries. And all of us are called to preach and teach out of our lives. All of us. We might not have a tag on us that says, I'm pastor this or evangelist this, but we have that gifting in us through Christ. He is the fivefold ministry and he's in you. And so I want to encourage you that the way to do this is to repent. What? What do I need to repent of? Well... Okay, I can repent for me that I have pride in my life because I want my rights to be done instead of Jesus' rights over them. I'm not asking him, Lord, what would you have me do in this place? How would you have me pray? What would you, how would you have me serve? We're not to be doormats, you know that. That's abuse. But Jesus bowed his knee and washed his disciples' feet to show a servitude heart to his people, that who would um, exalt themselves will be humbled. I don't want to be in the place where I'm thinking this is all about me and what I do and how good I am, because I'm definitely going to be humbled out of that. I want to be in this ground that I'm giving glory to the Lord, thanking him for what he's done for me, choosing to follow after him and believe in his word. You know, there's so many scriptures that tell us about the benefits. Do not forget the benefits of what God has given us. He's given us salvation. He's given us hope, peace, love, joy, long-suffering, patience. They're all the things that I'm challenged on at the moment <clears throat> in my situation. They're all the things that I would have thought that I walked in all the time. And I am being pushed to the button on each one of those places. And I have to bring them to God because there's a reason for it. Do you think when Paul and that were in jail that they didn't, you know, that when they went to jail, he wrote most of his epistles out of jail. He, cut, he, he was the Pharisees of the Pharisees. He knew the law and yet he counted it all as done for the knowledge that he had in Jesus Christ and what Jesus had done for him. 
And so he was willing to be, you know, vilified and abused and everything to get the gospel out there so that others would know what we know today because he went to the Gentiles. It wasn't a Jewish only with him. He was called to the Gentiles and, and we are the Gentiles. And if you've got Jewish in you, it doesn't make you better than anyone else. We've all got Jewish in us. We've got Jesus in us. Amen? So Jesus said, when he is lifted up, which was a, a indicative of what was going to happen to him with the cross of Calvary, that all men would be drawn unto him. So when we bow low, we lift up Jesus in our lives and all men will be drawn to the Jesus in us. He wants us to love one another the way that he loves the Father and the Father loves him and the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a three in one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We have a body, soul and spirit. We've got to love them together, but the leader has to be the spirit. And then we love the body of Christ. We pray for them. We stand with them. So the benefits he's given us to outweigh the tragedies and the trauma that we've had in our lives. And I've had my own share. These things that still happen, but I've had them. I'm sure everyone else has had them in their lives. And if you haven't, God bless you. It'll come a different way. There may be abuse or violence or um, broken family or something like that. It still comes to all of us. Because without that, we'd never be humble to come into the kingdom. We'll always do it in our own strength. I know that as, a, as somebody that come out of that brokenness that I, I become very tough in areas. No one's going to see me cry. No one's going to see me weak. And they're the very areas that God humbles me. I am weak. And I can be prideful. But praise be to God that he is my God and that I can come to him, bow my knee and ask him to forgive me. Do you know that when we repent, we're back to where we were. We don't lose our, we're not like snakes and ladders and we go down a ladder and we go back to the beginning and start all over again. If we've walked in obedience to God's word and followed his ways, we just stepped out of the place for a moment. And with repentance and forgiveness, we step back into that place. We're on the journey still. Go on ahead as God has called us. So don't allow the enemy, because that's the foxes, are the thoughts that come into your mind and there's so much in the atmosphere. If it's not in the TV, the radio, the newspaper, it's on people's tongues. Everybody's talking about everything. And it's not good news. So it's time for the good news to come out. And, you know, how do we deliver that? We deliver that with love. We deliver that with patience and kindness. We deliver that with the joy of the Lord as our strength. Because the one thing that happens when we start to get under the heaviness of that weight of, um, you know, oppression or depression or things that aren't working out right is that we lose our joy. The Bible says in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you notice that when you're in those places, you ain't singing joyfully. You know, you're not skip to Maluma Dal and, and, and giving flowers out to everybody. You're like trying to pull back and, and stay away from people. But God made a way. Because as soon as we humble ourselves and ask him to come in and cleanse our hearts and forgive us for whatever we've carried in, and even the places where we didn't do anything, 
You know, when we release forgiveness to others, that's not our business anymore. That's God's. We've let go. We've done what we've had to do and it's up to them. So we don't have to sit around waiting, oh, they haven't rung me back yet or they haven't come, they haven't said they're sorry. That's not our business. Our business is releasing them to God and asking God to forgive us where we had offence or we're hurt and allowing him to come into that place and bring healing and wholeness to us and then move on and trust God with them like God does with us. I don't know why we get this thought that, you know, that we've got more rights than anyone else. I think it's just in the human nature and the enemy likes to play with that. This is what the word says that in John 6:12 loving me empowers you to obey my commands. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another savior the Holy Spirit of truth. And that comes out of the the passion translation because a lot of it comes from the passion that I've been reading or speaking from. And you think another savior and you got one. His name's Jesus. Oh, well, Holy Spirit and God are all one too. But that He's in the world for us to walk this out. He's the one that we go to in Jesus' name. So He is made available to us, and we need Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to be unified by the Holy Spirit of God. We're called to this time for such a time as this to be the lights in the dark, the city on the hill that shines brightly the truth of who Jesus is and that he's needed, the world needs a saviour and his name is Jesus. God loves you and he honours you. You know that when God looks at you, he doesn't see the sinner that came in, he sees the, the saint that arrives in heaven. He sees that from the time you en- he enters into your heart. He sees who you're called to be. We don't see it and we don't always see it in others because we don't have that sight that Jesus has but we can get it. He's perfecting us. He is the perfect one. We're called to be perfect, but we can't be that perfect that he is. We can be perfected to perfection by the time we get to heaven. So I want to encourage you that it's really important that you take note of the little things that are upsetting you and bring them to God and ask him, what do I do with that? You need to be thinking of the bride, that we're one body and we need to be one body under the kingship of Jesus need to be praying for one another. Prayer is such an important... If you look at anything in the Bible or any move of God, prayer is one of the main factors with the blood. I want to encourage you to start praying. There was an acronym that came out maybe in the 80s and it was called ACTS. A-C-T-S. A for adoration. Adoring your God. C for confession. What we need to deal with. T for thanksgiving, praising him for all that he's done and he's going to do and he's doing. And S is for supplication, when we bring to him the things that we need to pray for. So I want to encourage you today that you are called for such a time as this, that you're beautiful in the eyes of God, that you have everything that you need. And I want to encourage you that to look at the scriptures. I gave you John 4 and John 6, but a majority of them are from John 13 to 17. And I'm going to finish on, in John 17, it's a a prayer that Jesus 
prays to the Father on behalf of the disciples. But he doesn't just pray for the disciples. He prays for the future ones like us. Jesus says, as he prayed and looked up into heaven, Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendour of your Son so that I will magnify your glory. You have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything you've told me to do. So, my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. Father, I have manifested who you really are and I have revealed you to the men and women that you gave to me. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have fastened your word firmly in their hearts. And now at last they know that everything I have is a gift from you and the very words you gave to me to speak I have passed on to them. They have received your words and carried them in their hearts. They are convinced that I have come from your presence and they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you. For all who belong to me now belong to you, and all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. That's what God has said about us, that his glory is available for us and it's in us. And that he's prayed to the Father that we would not be left out in any way, shape or form, but be all that we're called to be. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.